This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor with more than 35 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. You'll learn to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently. Also, be sure to check out Jen's book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights. Available on Amazon. For a signed copy, contact Jen at jenduplessis.com. Now, here is Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of Kinetic Spark Consulting, Jen Duplessis. Hey everyone, and welcome back to this episode. I am so delighted today to have a guest from over the big pond over in the UK in London, Frederick Sandwall, and he is a global sales consultant. He has global sales consulting. And I want to tell you a little bit about him before we actually introduce him on onto the show. But you can see the beautiful sunset behind him in London right now, which is so exciting. But he's a financier an investor, a serial entrepreneur, and a best-selling author. In fact, his book is called Trust is the New Currency. The subtitle is How to Build Trust, Attract the Right Partners, and Create Wealth Through Business and Investments. And one of the things that I really like that he's doing is really working with new entrepreneurs, no matter what their age, and really focusing on helping his, his sons as well to learn how to invest and build wealth early on. I absolutely love that. He's a formal special forces captain in the, in the Swedish, what do you call it, government? or Swe- uh, It's the same as, uh, if you compare it with America, it's the same as your Navy SEALs. And people don't usually know. Oh, exactly Navy, oh so that's even better. Yeah, even better. <laughs> he spent many years running businesses, even before he left the military. He spent over 20 years gaining experience with management and consulting and working at senior levels with the largest organization around the world. Uh, he's worked in 40 countries and, you know, he's really just a fundraiser. So he's probably very connected, as we're going to find out, in raising money for businesses to be very, very successful. And so without further ado, Frederick, we're happy, happy, happy to have you here today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you very much for the introduction. Very pleased to be on such a famous podcast as yours. It's it's (laughs) one of the biggest in the world in your space, and uh, it's absolutely honor. I hope to give good value. Oh, thank you. And I know you will. I know you will. And we have tons of links and whatnot that we're going to be sharing, you know, in the episode notes. So everyone will have the chance to go and and see all the wonderful things that you can do. But I want to start with where did this all start? Tell us about your upbringing and how you got into this serial entrepreneurial piece of this, you know, with money, given the fact that, you know, if you're in the military, typically military people aren't that versed in in finance. And and so there must be something that was in your background that, that got you excited about it. Yeah, thanks for asking. That's a, that's a great starting question. So I grew up in the countryside in Sweden. That's in north part of uh, Europe. So uh, there in Sweden, I grew up in a very normal family. My mom was working as a London nurse. Dad was working in the, in a mid-match level job in, in a factory. So from there, I was the oldest. I had to find my way, really. Yeah. Responsible leadership with my three siblings when I was very young. First business when I was 17. And the purpose of that one is to learn how to run a business. And it was selling marketing space. And that was great because I got many no's. Lots of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Long. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm and then, sure, as we all do, right? We all get them. Which, which leads to yeses now and then as well. Yes. So from there, I moved into the military. I didn't expect to, to stay for that long because special forces is super competitive, extremely hard to get in. It's even harder to be one of the best. I was fortunate to be selected to, to become an officer there, and, and I stayed for many years. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And that allowed me to to grow as an individual, to help people in Sweden and all over the world as well, in conflicts and in aid missions, peacekeeping, as well as ultimately the, the, the worst side of the scale as well. Yeah. While I was doing all of that, unusually for being in the military, to my commander's disbelief, I got two business degrees. Uh, I was running three businesses at the same time in investment, consulting, and real estate. So when it was later time to leave, I was extremely ready to just go straight into business. So I did a, a third degree in an MBA and then jumped into management consulting full-time. So that's very much how I got into working outside the military. I'm sure we can come back into investments and yeah. launches later. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So let's talk about, because there are several things that we're going to talk about from an entrepreneur standpoint, but I want to really hone in on real estate. What are you doing in the space of real estate? And I know that you have a lot of properties and a lot of real estate. You were just running from being a landlord, right? And I, yes. I know that one, <laughs> but running from being a landlord. And so what got you specifically into the real estate part? And, and is that where you actually started or was that something later on that, you know, because you saw everyone gaining a lot of wealth through it? I yeah. started early because my dad was dabbling really dabbling with real estate uh, when I was young. So I was helping him. I was learning how to use all kind of tools. I know all the trades from having done it when I was very young, which is sometimes uh, useful. Yeah. But that's not what I ultimately would say that people should do in real estate. So I, I came from a practical point of view. I knew how to build things. Uh, and then from there, I also saw how he was successful, but more often unsuccessful in terms of picking the right tenants and making things work and not doing anything creative at all. I mean, you are very much a specialist in mortgages. It doesn't even know what like a refinance properly is to extract money for the next, next investment. All of those things was done wrong. So I got real estate early on and then I actually got into commercial real estate was my own first one accidentally. And, uh, and through tax reasons, I, I, together with my wife, have got a commercial property, which is 300 hectares, which is like 600 acres of forest in Sweden. Oh, wow. So money does grow on trees. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. uh, not only the paper, unless we use plastic, but also if I do nothing, just the, the pure growth of the trees will be uh, just to translate into monetary value, like $80,000 at least a year for just the growth, which you can decide to take this year or accumulate a couple of years if you got the right thing. So yeah, that's how I got into real estate, which is very okay. different from where I am today, where I have many, many tenants uh, in and around London and parts of the UK. And I do develop things. I invest in other people's deals. So I've done the whole value chain from finding it right, funding it right, and then fixing it to the right level, and then filling and extremely occasionally flipping, but more importantly, learn how really, really flourish the portfolio by thinking about the small details like I learned in Special Forces, that makes a huge compounded yeah. Uh, result. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, through that trial and error, which was probably very difficult for you to get through because as someone being in the military, because I have my families in the military, and yes. as being in the military, you know, everything is so regimented. And so True. developing your own process probably took some time Did. to do and that you had to trial and error quite a bit. So, so you're doing buy and holds primarily, you know, both commercial and residential, I'm sure. Are you dabbling in Airbnb these days? All of my friends are doing it. And my next 
larger commercial uh, residential deal will be exactly that. It will be Airbnb, but I will literally give the keys to here we call service accommodation, but yeah. the ultimately it is uh, Airbnb often. They will just get the keys and then they, they will operate it. So yeah. I'll, meanwhile, folks are adding larger assets, which other people can match, producing other people's capital as well to almost like create like a fund of other people's money so they can also benefit from my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's wonderful. And, you know, one of the big things that's happening here in the U.S. is now multifamily Airbnb, yeah, you know. know. And so I'm in Airbnbs as well. So I was just wondering if you were, uh, you were, I find it, I love it. I absolutely love it. So let me ask you some questions about entrepreneurship because, you know, it's become, I mean, it's crazy busy. (laughs) It's crazy busy. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. My kids are entrepreneurs. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and sort of get away from the brick and mortar world and. You know, have that that great lifestyle. And of course, that's the premise of my entire coaching program is a lifestyle business mastery is having that lifestyle first and then building a business around it so that you can enjoy it. Right. And so so what is what where's the passion or not even where's the passion, but what is it that that really gets you excited or brings you a lot of joy as you're helping new entrepreneurs specifically as it relates to them? doing it right from the very beginning so they're not one of those horrible statistics that are still out there that over 50% of small businesses fail in the first year. Yeah, I mean, the the statistics statistics really says that don't become an entrepreneur at all. Uh, Entrepreneurs today are what the the rock stars were earlier. So the rock stars today is really the entrepreneurs. And often if you try to combine with some kind of influencing thing online, then you've got like two massive ticks in the box. And that is exciting it gives you lots of energy but it's also so easy to fail because usually the super basic things like to do some kind of test does anyone even want to buy what i intend to offer to the world the passion's there to just give it and throw it down people's throats right yeah it's actually it can become very very financially dangerous it's very easy to get also into debt nowadays Mm-hmm. Basically, you are working in your business, on your business, and you're paying for your business, and you might not have that super vital first one, two, three, four customers. Yeah. So one of the first things I try to explain is you can't really get into entrepreneurship if you shy away from the word of sales. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you've been working with, with uh, the mortgage industry for many, many years. Imagine if you refused to do any kind of customer contact. Yeah. I, I got a fellow. I got a fellow entrepreneur here in the UK. It's a massive podcast with yeah, many millions following his work. His dad used to say, uh, I love this. He was a pub landlord. And he said, I love this pub. Uh, if we just can get rid of like the, the, the customers and the employees, it would be ideal. <laughs> right, right. right so well, and we've you, all been there too. I mean, we've all been I, there in our thoughts yeah, about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, if uh, I could yes, be an yeah. entrepreneur and not really have to deal with anything, exactly. it would be great. <laughs> yeah, so I'd like to take an example of, of customers from my, my this this business week in, in London, England, where I got a, a nice text message from the police. Would you like to collect your keys from the police? And like, oh, uh, which, which keys, which property? Apparently two of my tenants have decided that today's a good day for a knife fight. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, but it wasn't even true in the end. But uh, they had been arrested and so on and so forth. And police kicked out all the doors in the whole property. Oh my gosh. 
So the tenants are my customers. You have to love your customers, right? Back to your very important question, how to get started in entrepreneurship. Think about it's used in common language, minimum viable product. What is the very least you can actually take your idea into something and try to test it, test sell it before you even start the business. That's one of the most important advice, I think. Do some kind of rough numbers before you start. Why not connect with someone just like you, someone who can be your mentor, coach, role model. So many good books, so much good free content out there on podcasts. You don't have to do this on your own. So you can also pull up with other people in the same space uh, to have some kind of like masterminding or support group. Yeah, those are a couple of things on top of my head. Yeah, no, I really like that. And you know, it's ironic because I don't know if you've ever heard of the Marketers Cruise. But it is an international phenomenon. It's, yeah. it's awesome. I'll have to talk to you about it offline, see if you want to go next year. But yeah. I'm heading there in January, and it's an eight-day cruise. And that's all it is, is us sharing our ideas and getting yeah. feedback from everyone. And there's 450 people from around the world coming. And so, for example, Russell Brunson is coming, you know, ClickFunnels owner. He's yeah, yeah. part of it. I mean, there's all kinds of people who are coming that are movers and shakers and, and it doesn't have to be just in online marketing or businesses, you know, that are entrepreneur, but doctors come and realtors and lenders come as well to get feedback for the product offerings that they have and the services that they're providing and to really collaborate with others that have been there, done that. And it allows yeah. me for someone who's been there, done that to do the same thing to other people that are at different levels, you know, than I am. I'm not way up here, but I'm not way at the bottom no, either. We, we, we got a fair, fair amount of experience. Now, I, I love that idea. And also what I like in particular about it is it's off-site. Yes. You can't carry on doing your own business. That's great. And also another thing is you mix up different industries. Yes. There's so many things to learn from other industries that you can apply into your world. Yeah. Um, just like you yeah. travel, the same thing, to steal ideas from all over the world and apply it where you live. Well, and, and what's even best about it, just to piggyback on that real quick, is that no selling is allowed. None. Okay. None. Only joint venturing, only collaboration, only sharing, only giving, only receiving. That's what's so fun about it. So I'm so excited. We, there's this thing called pizza and profits. And so that all happens, you know, up on one of the decks in the middle of the yeah. night. <laughs> right you know so, yeah that, that's wonderful I think that that's you know thank you for sharing that and I think no matter what business you're in you know so so a lot of my listeners are lenders and realtors it's maybe your passion if you're passionate about a specific type of real estate or a specific product and lending yes. making sure that you have the marketplace in your area to be able to serve that and I say that locally because a lot of times real estate is local so what are the and I, we are, you've already addressed some sort of the, the biggest mistakes people make when they're trying to raise money for their business. But I, I want to go deeper into that because not everyone is going to be raising money, but there are a lot of solopreneurs who are listening to this podcast. So let's talk about why I would want to raise money as a solopreneur, because yep. I'm thinking, I, you know, I'm just small beans. Why would I want to raise money? What benefit is it? And then tell us about the mistakes that people make as they're trying to collaborate or bring investors on. Yeah, happy to. So I've been working with raising finance for businesses in many, many different ways. Everything from a partnership, like you said, a JV or straight loans or whatever. And also I have had taking money from individuals, from companies, from American companies, from companies in, in, in the Middle East, uh, as well as from uh, pension, pension trusts. So there is money everywhere. Money is usually closer than you think. Mm. Often there might even be money in, in your closest family and 
and that's fairly easy way, especially if you like younger. Why not ask your parents? Oh, of course. At least, for the, at least for the for the seed capital. So talk about different stages. So the very first one you might put in might be your own. A seed stage where you don't really have any sales at all, or you might have less than what you like to make as a salary for a year. That's very much where you have a seed stage, and then you you move beyond that and. At that time, it's, it's tough because banks will only give you money if you got something else as a security usually. Right. Uh, most other people would love to have a security on you and everything you own if they can. And you would like to do the exact opposite if you can. So you're if the lender. Exactly. You're the lender. <laughs> exactly. The lender likes to have security and as a borrower, you don't want to give security if, if you right. don't have it. Right. So at that stage, it's also quite easy to get any kind of smaller business lending like business credit card and so on which can actually be the the starting point unfortunately at that stage often they will still hold your personal assets as as collateral unfortunately so next stage might be that you dare to ask other people for money so taking an example i've invested to that stage of multiple business world like this they have got some sales they have some ideas they have some technology or whatever it might be and then they just need to have more money to open the tap, to have more staff, more technology, more development, or whatever it might be. But that's usually like a big chunk, but then you might need to have 50, 100,000 pounds or a couple of 100,000 pounds to do the next step. A big gap for growth. That's that big yeah, exactly. you know, exactly. acceleration of growth. Yeah. Exactly. So really just talk about multiplying what you have at that stage. And, and, and for that, you can actually... Now you've got a new concept, which is very exciting all, all over the world, which is crowdfunding. Right. So instead of you finding every single investor, you might actually work with a platform. So I, I am a shareholder and owner of, of one platform, which is called Crowd With Us, which is in the real estate space. So there we have developers who need to pitch their idea to us to get it certified and then to, to go to, to market. Yeah, I love um, that. I love that. What are some places that someone could find if it's not just in the real estate space, you know, if we're, yeah. if we're talking about solopreneurs that, that we have, we have non-tangible, yeah. Yeah, we've got exactly the same. I can't remember the brand that you got in, in America. It's, it's very logical <laughs> in terms of you, you also got crowdfunding for businesses at early stages where people can basically decide the rate that they are willing to give, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I love that. So, so what mistakes do people make when they're looking for crowdfunding? As they're going out and saying, you know, what do I do now? Second, How yeah, do I get so usual mistakes I, I, I spot to notice all the time is where they don't prepare for it. They don't do the due diligence on themselves that you, they would like to have if they would give money themselves. So you need to not have a perfect pitch. You don't need to have a perfect video. You don't need to have anything perfect. But think again, minimum viable product. What's the very least you would like to have? Well, how much do you need? For how long time? What are you prepared to offer in return? How will I get the money back as an investor? Yeah. What's like the duration? Uh, and what kind of credibility do you have? Have you been doing this before? Have you been growing businesses in of this kind? Or are you... A virgin. This is your very first baby. That means that it is it's also riskier. Do you know the industry? All of those things come together as a nice picture, which gives you a foundation to dare to even ask for money. If you don't have that in place, it's very hard for you to have the credibility to attract any money at all. Yeah. 
to, to add to that picture. So even if you now start to pitch people that you don't know so well, that means that they will do their own due diligence and they will find out a lot about you by using Mr. Google. Yes, the gospel of Google. <laughs> exactly. So people will Google you most likely even before they have met you. So yeah. uh, Google yourself so you know what people will find at the very least. Try to do something about it. And uh, if you are uh, like the two people who are on this podcast, that you're creating content, that's actually quite good because you can create content and get the things you would like to be associated with yourself tagged to yourself. You might be on a podcast, you might be on YouTube, you might have relevant uh, blog, anything that will put you as a trustworthy person, ideally, uh, so people even dare to... Uh, part their savings potentially and give to you so you can grow them on their behalf. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, you know, um, one of the things that I was thinking about as you're talking is that a lot of people, you know, they've had a job all their lives, right? And one of the, I'm going to be starting a new podcast and I most likely will will publish you in both of the podcasts as well. But my new podcast is called From Success to Significance, Life After yeah. Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. One of the things about that is that a lot of people have, and you were, of course, we're talking about entrepreneurship as a young person, and I want to still talk about that, but, yep. but entrepreneurship is someone who's had a job, right, for yes, years and years, I know. and now they're very successful, you've done it, I've done it, and now we say we want to go into that entrepreneurship. What would you advise from a learning perspective for someone to go from, you know, knowing how to make widgets yep. very well to having to do sales and accounting and marketing and branding and the back office things, like all yep. of the pieces of <laughs> the widget. Yeah. How do they learn? How do they learn it's, to make it's, that it's, it's super overwhelming to start with. It is. And, and you don't know what you don't know, but you become aware very soon that there are many things that you don't know. I mean, yes. just take uh, the, the aspect of, of tax. Uh, yeah. Value-added tax. And all the, 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 the good rules and the stupid rules that each government have, have given us to play according to. So yeah, there are many things. So how do you do that? I, I would say many, many people that I, I know are exactly in our space where, where we are. So they, they are having, they are business owners, small big business owners, growing what they, they they do one thing to just draw as a learning uh, also with my podcast i see that there's a quite high amount of people who don't have like well people have got very different education background to put it like right. that so right. your university or non-existing university degrees doesn't really matter right. at all and you will most likely have so many years of experience between when you studied to today so number one your studies doesn't really matter at all unless you can pull some good learnings from it. Right. You might even have some old books in your bookshelf that you have never, ever applied. might be a marketing book or something else that can come back in, into use. I would say listen to entrepreneurial podcasts, number one, because that means you will, have, you will now create a peer group. Even if you're alone, you feel, I know no entrepreneurs. That's a great place to start because... You, you very much become like the average of the people you hang around with. And a podcast yeah. with great guests on it is a perfect place because it means now you're hanging around with, with millionaires, maybe even billionaires, and learning from how they did it. So how to get over that massive hurdle of it feels like too much? Try to work with other people who are in the same space. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many people who've done the same journey. Tag along to someone 
ask someone to help you. And in many cases, a, a really good business partner who is not like you, who is the opposite of you, can be yeah. a, a blessing and a hell both in disguise. Right. <laughs> so, so just to take one example, I decided to work with my youngest brother. I was a management consulting partner. He was a banker. In terms of profiles and personalities, I'm more extrovert than he is, and he's more detail-oriented than I am. He is more keen to work with, with the back-office systems, while I'm very happy to deal with, with customer interaction and, and getting new customers. So having a business partner, or if you don't want to split the, the business, to have some kind of employee to work on you on a contract basis. So again, you can be an entrepreneur. So that means you're an entrepreneur under a bigger entrepreneur, yeah. and that's fine. Entrepreneur. Yeah, and what do you think about pulling, pulling and building an advisory board together as well as you're that's doing perfect. it just to test your market and pull from different skills that you've seen in your marketplace? No, that, that, that's, that's super valuable. So for example, one of my next things that is on my to-do list, I've got one which is to do uh, like a, a group of companies to acquire. And on the other side is to do the, the real estate fund. And for both of them, my advisors, my board of advisors will be one of the most important things in the whole thing. Because ultimately, the advisors and the, the people I, I associate myself with will set the aspiration level. It will set the, the level of funding I will actually ultimately get. And it will open doors, open network and give access or the opposite if I pick the wrong people. So yeah. to have a board of advisors, so one company I'm working with, it's uh, in the lending space. They're called Sapphire Lending. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the biggest shareholders. I'm growing that business from the inside, but I'm just on the board. So there we have got, again, opposite personalities on the board. So we've got the business owner who's very much working with the, with the sales and uh, the systems and managing staff. But then we've got two very different board members. Again, you can have, have a board member for very little money. Many people who are experienced just like to give and help. So you might get your non-executive board member, just advisor, helping on a monthly basis, just check in with things. And that's invaluable in terms of accountability, keeping you on track, advice, and again, open those doors when the time is essential for you. Yeah, and I think that's really important because, you know, you can feel like an island. You really yes. can feel like an island as an entrepreneur and a solo entrepreneur that no one understands the problems you're going through. But in fact, everyone's been through them at some point. You just need to find the right person, you know, to help guide you through them. I think the other important thing about a board of advisors, and this is, and by the way, those that are listening, I'm not talking about your board for your, you know, board of directors. We're talking about a board of advisors. And yep is that they can also be the string to your helium balloon and kind of bring you down a little bit in, in a good way. I'm not saying yep. in a bad way, in a good way to say, hold on, hold on, you're getting a little ahead of yourself there. Let's pull you back in. And yep. I think that that's been, you know, extremely helpful. So I want to just switch gears as we kind of finish up here today and talk Super about what you're telling your sons. Because I know that you have some young kids and I know they have a podcast as well, right? One yep. Of yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I know he's going to be on the podcast here soon, hopefully as well, because we, we okay. have reached out to him too. Love it. But, and so what are you telling young people? Because now tell us about him, first of all. He's very young. Yep. I, know, I know a girl who is six years, she's nine years old now, but she started her podcast when she was six. Great. 
And I have a very, very smart, intelligent grandchild who's going to be six in a couple of weeks. And I can't wait to hear what you have told so that we can share that yeah. with her as well. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so I've got two sons. Sean is uh, 13 and Ivan is 15. So they are, they're both obviously uh, still in school. I started to do more entrepreneurial things with them three years ago. So about that time, I also took them to an adult entrepreneur boot camp. So basically, I took them out of school for two weeks. There is a guy, he's called Roger Hamilton. He is having events all over the world. So I took them to his two weeks boot camp, which again, is not at all meant for children ever. He's never had anyone not even being 18, I think, on that. And they were at the time probably 10 and 12, which was embarrassing and great at the same time. Because when you're young, you haven't learned yet to hold back. Yeah. So if you take the example, if I, if I say to a normal person anywhere, if I've tried this uh, multiple times at universities as well when I'm speaking, like who here likes to, to, to dance, who here likes to sing, who here likes to draw, all three things we really could do when we were younger, but all of a sudden add 20 years and now we can't draw anymore. We can't dance or we can't sing, which is embarrassing, while we still can do it. So younger people don't have the same limits. They have very different perspective. So therefore, to have, for example, a podcast, I mean, younger people are used to running around and do their uh, TikTok or YouTube or anything already and Snapchat. So they're used to be on, online. So therefore, to have a mic instead, we'll do like we're doing now to do audio and video together. That's, that's super simple. So why? what do I say to them? I try to make them curious. So they will be using that curiosity to find their own way. I, I don't have any set way. I don't have, really have any plans. In the best of worlds, I would love to have Sean to be financially independent before he's 18. Yeah. And for people who think about what does financial independence mean, really, it means that he will have more income than he will out, have outgoing. So right. I don't expect him to need to have any university loans or anything like that. Right. Probably the same for Ivan, but right now this month he's doing taekwondo and running, so he's a bit up. <laughs> so he has off. priority. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, they're actually bo- bo- both going to go for a black belt in taekwondo, which oh, takes wow. a lot of time in, in next month. So I hope they will. Yeah. Succeed. Well, they'll need it for renters, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. No, but uh, yeah. D- yeah. So the, the the world has changed so much. So just to, to build on one word, a renter. Next generation, generation uh, Z or Z, as we say over here very much they don't need to own anything anymore they just like to have access when they need it like yeah. it might be an uber it might be a shack to to, to crash place to sleep yeah. they don't need to buy things so i think we've got some huge changes in in the real estate sector and the whole service industry everything's changing so fast at the moment yeah and well and i have challenge yeah go ahead i know i was gonna say i have a cute story too because my son and daughter-in-law for my granddaughter she just bought her first investment property, right? Perfect. And of course, she's, she's five, so she yep. can't own the property. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. doesn't own it, but she thinks she bought it. They were buying a property, and, and she said, I want, I want to be a, you know, a landlord too. I mean, I want to own a property. So they said, well, yes. we need money. You have yep. to have a down payment. And I don't remember what the money was, but it was probably like $20, $30, something like yeah. that, which was a big thing for her because she'd yeah, been absolutely. taking it in her piggy bank. and. And she was pulling out the money and she yep. brought her money, including coins, in a Ziploc bag, right, to the closing. 
And of course they closed on the loan, but then they passed a a few documents to her to make it feel like she was. Her name is Molly and she spelled her name at the time. M-O and the L's were backwards. M-O-L-L, right? (laughs) And she signed it and it's all on video and she, she was just oh so proper about it. And it's really neat because every month that they receive income from the property, she gets a little income too. And they're teaching her, you know, what to do with it and where to save it. And I just think it's the coolest thing in the world. And, and of course her little sister was at the closing and watching too. And she's three and she said, well, I want one too. And they said, well, you have to save your money from all your Christmas gifts. Yeah. 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 Yeah, No, I I had the same, like for for the first year when the, the boys were working in the business, producing content. So we had a Facebook uh, group where we christened things and then also the, the podcast. So they also had to, to work for this. Yeah. So think about like normally you've got pocket money, but pocket money just like appears like out of magic. So instead I decided to take one of the, the multi-let units I have. It's, it's 10 professionals living in the house, shared house. So that means that the, the income of that one is yeah, super rough numbers just to give you your, yeah. your listeners some idea. So talk about roughly a half million dollars in value for the property, a bit more. And it's... Uh, 10 people living there and uh, it's, it's cash flowing around five and a half thousand per month right. gross. So that means that ultimately after everything has been paid, there are a number of people who owns this one. So I took half of my holding in this, this one. So I had a quarter. So now they've got 12 and a half percent divided yeah. between the two of them. So all of a sudden, instead of giving them pocket money, they now have cash flow, assuming that there has nothing been going wrong with the property right. and it's full. And then depending on what, what I would get would, would be my share. That will basically be their income. So they will start to see that when you don't have tenants, you don't get pocket money. When you do have everything right, then you get more. And eventually they will also, of course, they have equity in this one because it's known in, in a company. So they have shares in the company. So all right. of a sudden it, right. it, it's, super, it's super real. And now they, they have real estate and now they care because it actually affects also their pocket money and both of them just want to do one thing with the money do you know what that is what save <laughs> <laughs> good good so i am so glad yeah i mean that's what they learn is because once you have it yeah, in cool. and it's a, and a exactly. good amount yeah now it's yep. like oh i don't want to like go with that good amount yeah yep. and and yep. i'm sure they're involved in it as well and you're t- helping them walk through you know what happened yeah, exactly what kind of yep. issues you've had that's awesome yep. I love yeah, so that. Charlie likes to learn how to, to buy shares. That's his next thing. Yeah. That's where we're going to put the money. Uh, time plus real yeah, estate is a good money. thing. Yeah. Yep, yeah, time yeah, value yeah. money. No doubt about it. I love it. Go for it. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful getting to know you. And I, if anyone has any questions about how to, I mean, we have lots of links again, you know, so that yep. people can reach out to you and find out what you're doing with your kids, what you're doing with your businesses. But if someone wants to reach you directly, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, so again, I've got two different podcasts. One is called Investing Skills. One mm-hmm. is called Invest in You. Yep. The latter one where we have lots of guests. Where it does what it says on the tin with both of them. We've got the book in the show notes, which is mentioned. Yep. If you like to reach out directly, I use LinkedIn a lot. And I love to help other people. And if I can help you, whoever you are, on your journey by connecting, whatever, I, I will. So feel free to not only follow, but you're welcome to connect on LinkedIn if that helps you. And you can also follow me on any of the social media things. I like to create useful things. And we're already connected. And I saw you posted something a few hours ago as well. You were talking about some things. So I think that's wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure. And I want to say thank you so much. I mean, there's no, no wonder 
everyone wants to work with you. You're very giving and sharing. You're very open book. And I, and I love that you're willing to help people that you don't even know. It's wonderful. Yeah, and, and again, it's, I want to congratulate you with what you're doing with your children. And that's, that's wonderful. You're serving so many people. So again, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Looking to streamline and launch your practice by accessing Jen's tools, courses, classes, presentations, and resources? Visit jenduplessis.com to learn about the features and benefits thousands of other professionals have experienced by enrolling in Jen's Lifetime Membership Program. Isn't it about time you consider a coach to take your business to new heights? Contact Jen to start your application process today. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in next week.